The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
Thank you for that beautiful musical prelude. And welcome to our first Sunday service in 2024, and a happy new year. Though there is much to fear or dread at this point in history, and I acknowledge with sorrow and rage the ongoing horrific violence and injustice that plagues our world, such as in Gaza, I do hope that in this year each of you find or continue to enjoy good health an adequate standard of living, fulfillment in your careers or callings, and above all, the love of family and friends. I'm Reverend Millie Phillips, community minister affiliated with San Francisco UU, and I am joined on the chancel this morning by our worship associate, Richard Davis Lowell. We hope all of you here or on live stream have an order of service so you can follow along in worship. For those who are joining us on live stream, if you have any issues or problems during the service, please know that someone is monitoring the chat to answer any questions. A reminder concerning COVID, if you are fully vaccinated, we are no longer requiring masks to attend services. However, we encourage you to wear them inside, both to protect yourself and those who may be more vulnerable to illness, especially now with an upsurge in COVID cases again. And thank you for caring for one another. Lastly, a hearty thank you to all who are making this service possible. A warm welcome to all of you, and special thanks to our musicians, cellist Andres Vera, who is also giving a spoken reflection in this service, violinist Stephanie Bibbo, song leader Andrew Kessler, and pianist Elliot Etzkorn. To Jonathan Silk, our AV and sound expert, who was also playing drums during our closing hymn. To Eric Shackelford, Jackson Munn, and Shuli Ong on cameras. 
to Richard Davis Lowell, the worship associate, to board member Galen Workman for giving our announcements, to Thomas Brown and Matias Pineda for helping us function in our building this morning, to Athena Papadakos for the flowers we have decorating our space today, they're so beautiful, and to Linda Nessner for leading our usher team. And now let us begin our service with Richard leading our chalice lighting. Please join me in our chalice lighting. The words are printed in your order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. And now rise as you're able for our first hymn, number 349, We Gather Together. Happy New Year. I'm Galen Workman, a member of the Board of Trustees. If this is your first time joining us in person or watching on live stream, thank you for being here. If you would like to see, receive a copy of our newsletter, which includes links to the order of service and a Sunday live stream, you can fill out our yellow connections form, like this. These forms are in the welcome table outside the sanctuary, perhaps in a pew in front of you, and they're also available in the link in the order of service if you're online. The order of service does list many events and links to opportunities for you to connect. Please engage in any or all that are of interest to you. And first, I'd like to invite Linda Harris to give us a special invitation. Thank you, good morning. Um, my name is Linda Harris, and I'm our congregation's local representative for the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee. I invite you to join us this Sunday in celebrating the work of the UUSC by participating in the in-gathering for the yearly Guest at Your Table program and making other donations for the work of the UUSC. I urge you to read the insert in your order of service 
to find out more about this custom, about the work of the UUSC, as well as see some examples of how your donations can be used by the UUSC and its partners. I think it's especially appropriate that this end gathering is on the day we as a congregation begin a month of long um, examination of our covenants or promises of the heart and, um, and what it means to be a covenanting faith in which we are united not by a single set of theological beliefs, but by the principles we share and the covenants we make with each other and the wider world and how we carry out these commitments. Since its inception, in response to the needs of those fleeing Nazi persecution, the UUSC has been partnering with grassroots groups around the globe to help us live out our UU commitments to human rights and social and environmental justice. I've been very fortunate to be able to meet representatives of several of the grassroots groups that the UUSC partners with at their UUSC Stewardship Council meetings. Given the complexities of the problems facing our world, I can't begin to describe in this brief announcement how impressed I am with this brave and creative group of people from around the globe who are working innovatively and effectively with valuable support from the UUSC. I would be more than happy to talk with any of you further about them, their work at the UUSC table after the service or in one-to-one -one conversations. Today, during the offertory, we'll be collecting any guests at your table boxes that you might have brought with you. You can also use the envelopes um, in your order of service for credit card donations and checks for the total contents of your boxes, as well as to make other donations for the work of the UUSC. Whether or not you've been keeping a guest at your table box, or, uh, I urge you to use this special opportunity to donate to and become a member of the UUSC and to join their efforts to help us live out our UU principles in the wider world. Donations of $150 or more will be matched dollar for dollar by the UU congregation at Shelter Rock. I urge you to be generous and thank you in advance for your support of the UUSC and their vision. Thank you, Linda. And if you are a newcomer and you want to know more about our denomination in general in our, in our own community, we are having a newcomer orientation today at 12.30 in the fireside room. So if you'd like to find out more about us, grab a cup of coffee and come join us in the fireside room. And if you don't know where the fireside room is, ask somebody with a name tag and we'll point it out to you. The other announcements I have is that there are lovely poinsettias that they decorated the sanctuary during the holidays. They're now in the gallery available for you to take home. Unlike it said, what it says in the order of service, the poinsettia mistress, Judy Payne, told me that the poinsettias are free. If you'd like to make a donation of $5 or something to the uh, church flower fund, that is fine, but they are free. Please take them home. They need a good home. And there is information in the order of service about the upcoming covenant workshop the last weekend in January. The registration will be form will be sent out this week. So look for the registration and save 
the last Saturday, January 27th, for this important task. And finally, before we pause and greet one another, I want to give a special invitation for those of you on live stream to participate in the greetings on chat. Maybe say hi and talk about your love of poinsettias. And now, on live stream and in person, let's take a moment to greet one another. And now please join me in our unison covenant, the words again printed in your bulletin, followed by our sung doxology. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom and to help one another. reflected on the theme of this service, covenant, I also thought where and how covenants have shown up in my life, those promises I made to love, cherish, and preserve over the years. I couldn't help but reflect on my friend, Ronald Hugh Shear, who passed away recently. Like waves on an ocean, our acquaintance and friendship returned to me again and again over the years. 
our expressed desire for continued connection, representing a covenant between us. To me, friendship can be interpreted as a covenant in the sense that it involves implicit mutual commitments and understandings, even though they're not formally stated. For me, these include trust, support, respect, and loyalty, forming a bond that both parties honor and uphold through their actions and interactions. Ron was a designer of interiors, an interpreter of emotion through the tangible. Metal, wood, fabric, and glass bent, rolled out, stretched, and repurposed to reflect his and his clients' emotions, aspirations, dreams, and needs. He had the gift possessed by a few of turning emotion into tangible expression. Those gifts are epitomized by the soaring designs found in this sanctuary. Though he didn't design it, of course, I, I think of him when I encounter the beauty of our chancel, especially the soaring representation of spirit behind me, an amazing mix of metal, texture, and yes, emotion. That's what designers can do, and it's what Ron could do. I remember thinking back to a time before I had this perspective, how Ron's unflagging optimism about everything irritated me to no end. How I exploded at him over something so trivial and only later learned that he'd been battling so much more than a client losing his temper. Patiently and inspirationally, Ron let our spare room speak to him, and then slowly over time, a vision of light, fabric, glass, and metal emerged. His vision reflected not only in his knowledge and friendship with Bill and me, but also his gift at translating feelings, impressions, and possibility into reality. A vision made real icy every day. Fabric, leather, and wood combined to create something restful, useful, and restorative. Rooms that welcome, inspire, and remind me of you every day, Ron. The last time we saw each other came two weeks ago at the Jewish home here in the city. We wound our way through quiet corridors to a room on the third floor, each room angled just so to ensure privacy, but also access should the needs arise. Well, hello, and sorry I can't get up, came the cheerful greeting. We laughed and chatted. His husband, Richard, came in, and together we reflected on Ron's journey to that point, the twists and turns, the operations, and now the decisions. When we rose to leave, I knew we would not see each other again. This was not goodbye for now. And still, this was where we should be in this moment, our ending. And how wonderful that we were able to honor you, Ron, in this very space yesterday. You would have liked that. There's a small room in our home filled with a thousand stars, tiny crystals glued to the dark aubergine walls. Ron put them there one by one over many weeks by hand. Somehow they hold our time together as much as the wood leather, metal, and fabric he brought into our lives. I celebrate those gifts every day and the covenant we shared.
thank you so much, Andres and Stephanie, for sharing the gift of music, and to Richard for your moving reflection on the covenant of friendship and the grief of loss. Please join me in the spirit of meditation and prayer. In the many names of that which each of us holds sacred, let us hold in our hearts all within our church community who, like Richard, are grieving a loss or who are ill, in pain, or dealing with other hardships. Let us also hold in our hearts all who are suffering the myriad injustices and disasters of our times. For the families of the over 22,000 people who have been murdered in Gaza and many more wounded, mostly civilian non-combatants and over 70% women and children, where over two million people are facing permanent displacement with the loss of whatever home and possessions they may have had and who now face starvation and death from diseases carried by contaminated water. All of which I may note is approved by our government and financed by our tax dollars. To the victims of our first deadly school shooting of the new year, and for the 14 who have died in a school shooting in Prague, an event perhaps inspired by the terrible tradition of school shootings that we fail to prevent in the U.S. And for over 100 killed and many more displaced by a major earthquake in Japan. In the face of such injustice and disaster, may we stay focused on what could be growing our power and solidarity. May we stay focused on resisting despair and denial. In this new year, may we continue to covenant to do what we can to resist attack and alleviate suffering, finding the humility and patience to see ourselves not as saviors, but as siblings caring for each other in one beloved family. May we be kind and generous to all who work beside us. May we find solace and even joy with those we love in art and music and worshiping together. May we live conscious of the ultimate value of each sacred moment of life. Amen. And now please join me for a minute of silent contemplation. Thank you so much. And now let's welcome Andres Vera, who will offer us a reflection on covenant. It's our worship scene this January. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for having my beautiful colleague on the violin, Stephanie, and thank you for your kind words, as both of you as well. Um, when I, when I thought about the theme of the month, covenant and promises of the heart, I found it important to think about 
uh, my own deep commitments. And I thought that I would share three of them that I think uh, we all share together. And although I will uh, preface that with the fact that I'm not perfect, and I don't think anyone is, and uh, we all make mistakes. And so I think it's, uh, but these are good guides. These are my three guides uh, that I have for myself. So um, the first, first one is, uh, trust myself and work to verify my thoughts and feelings. And if I don't know, I know it's okay to say I don't know. I'm really fascinated by the whole concept of trusting your gut. Um, you're posed with a, a conundrum and then you feel something dull, like some dull pressure inside of your stomach and then that's your answer. Um, a leap of faith. <laughs> and according to the Harvard Business Review, uh, gut instincts are the sum total of those experiences. Millions and millions and millions of them. So all in all, I promise to cherish as much as I can every experience so that I can trust myself and my gut more. Two, praise others generously and for any reason. This is really difficult for me. Um, my father passed away two years ago, and I'm pretty sure um, his depression played a huge role in his death. He wasn't perfect by any means, um, but he had some really, really great qualities uh, that make me miss him a lot. So my father always praised me. He was jovial, always welcoming, talked to strangers, joked around, asked people's names he, if he didn't remember, and really, really praised others generously, very, very generously. My only regret was that I felt we didn't praise him enough for those good qualities he did have. So all in all, we can all sense that many parts of our communities are missing that for any reason, praise and celebration. And then lastly, that was harder to say than I thought it would be. <laughs> um, empathize and sympathize often. We affect each other, excuse me, we affect each other in more ways than we can imagine, positively and negatively. I feel it's important to feel the pain or joy of anyone who's in my presence or for you, it'd be anyone who's in your presence, make sure you feel their pain. For me, I really try to do that personally. To be thankful for the animals that suffer for us to eat, to live, and uh, finally to live life, live the entire life of a stranger you walked by on the street and who you'll probably never see again. Thank you. This morning's offering will benefit the work and ministries of the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee. Guests at your table program, the largest and longest running fundraising and educational program for congregations. 
Many members of our congregation and UU congregations across the country kept guests at your table boxes on their dining room tables or other family gathering spots this Thanksgiving to New Year's. To make a donation, use the link found in your order of service or visit our UU Human Rights table after service for more information. And now this morning's offering will be taken and gratefully received. Again, thank you, Andres and Richard, for your moving reflections, and Andres and Stephanie for your lovely music. I was deeply moved by Richard's tribute to his friend, Ron. True friendship is indeed grounded in a promise of mutual support. 
through all the phases of life, in joy and in sorrow, unto death, even if not stated formally in covenantal language. Likewise, I am moved by Andres's reflection, by its humility and good advice and warmth and humor. Later this month, our congregation will be writing and adopting a new covenant specific to our own needs and concerns. A covenant is a formal promise that people make to guide how they relate to one another. By exploring, drafting, and then agreeing to certain words, and by repeating and revisiting them often, we are reminded to keep our promises and to repair damage when we fail to do so. A covenant is not a weapon we should use to enforce conformity or a superficial acknowledgement of how we'd like others to behave, but a mutual promise from each of our hearts to do and keep on doing what we believe is right and good. Marriage vows are a common example of a covenant. You may ask then, if covenants are so desirable and necessary to get us to keep our promises, then why do so many marriages fail? We say these usually generic and formulaic words about in sickness and in health till death do us part, or maybe we write our own vows, and in most cases, sincerely believing them in the moment. But some years later, they may no longer make sense to us. We must break our vows and move on, sometimes mutually and amicably, but sadly often not. Now, my brother and sister-in-law have defied the odds to have a long and successful marriage. They joke that at the end of each year, they go out to dinner to renegotiate their contract. I doubt they sit down to bargain and edit a formal written agreement. But they certainly do go out to dinner and talk about it. And I like this concept. Needs and circumstances change in all relationships. If we are stuck with a promise that no longer speaks from our hearts, as I myself have experienced recently, then maybe that promise needs updating or even ending. As a congregation, I hope we revisit our new covenant regularly so that it remains a promise from the heart. In our denomination today, there is a movement to change our written principles and sources. Now, I love the current principles and sources. I love the poetic language in which they were written, the open, positive, and inspirational tone, stated as if we already believe them wholeheartedly, are truly committed to carrying them out, and don't need to be reminded or shamed into doing so. They still speak to me as a promise from the heart, and I sincerely believe that if we lived them full out, we would need no changes or additions. 
Yet, I also understand the desire to change them. Like many marriage vows, their genuinely moving words have become for many a stale formula we recite by rote, a litany without much thought or a deeper commitment, words without flesh, like a religious pledge of allegiance. We look at our own internal problems and those of our broader society and recognize that these words have not carried us as far as we would like. But words alone do not have flesh, no matter how well written. Whatever language we adopt in the future, it remains our job to enflesh and embody it. The role of a covenant is to remind us to make our promises a force of habit, something we do as routinely as brushing our teeth in the morning. Yet, paradoxically, habits and routines, almost by definition, become things hard to change, even when they no longer meet our needs. My brother and sister-in-law are right to review and adjust their promises regularly because their needs change over time, and they need to think through what they believe and want now. What are their hearts saying in this moment, as opposed to the first time they pledged a lifelong commitment? Even if, after review, they end up changing nothing since last year, the old vows are refreshed and renewed, fully present, once again becoming a promise of the heart. And with that in mind, I have a caution about both our new covenant and the denominational debate. It's this. May whatever language we adopt truly be a promise from the heart that each of us makes freely and mutually. May we have the courage to speak up if we catch ourselves about to make a promise that is not from the heart. As I look back over my own life, there are promises I have not kept and ones that I have. The promises I failed to keep were those that were not or ceased to be aligned with my heart. Those relationships I entered for opportunistic reasons to gain practical benefits I was failing to achieve on my own, convincing myself in the moment that I was acting from love, not neediness. The organizations and individuals I committed to sincerely for the right reasons, but then failed to speak up when circumstances required adjustments or changing needs arose, creating resentment on all sides that eventually led to a breaking point. The promises I made with such dogmatic zeal that they crumbled in the harsh light of reality. 
the promises I made only to avoid conflict or to look worthy to others of the love and respect I craved, knowing full well those promises were not coming from my heart. Now, there are times when it is not wise to be fully honest, transparent, or committed. In fact, the ability to get away with doing so is often an unearned privilege. Defy your boss and you can get fired, for example, and your family can end up on the street, while someone else might afford that risk without breaking any promises to support their loved ones. But that's not what I'm talking about. We all say things we don't believe and make promises we have no desire or intention to keep on occasion. And that may be fully justified if it keeps a roof over your children's heads. Your promise to them is more important. That's the promise from your heart, the promise you will keep, no matter how much moral angst it may cause. The promises I have kept were those grounded in love and in my deepest beliefs, such as love for my children and my faith in the positive and necessary role of the working class in creating lasting liberation. Covenant, as Andres mentioned, does not always mean we get it right. We aren't perfect. Limited by my own traumas and misdiagnosed mental health challenges, I was not the greatest parent, but I kept trying and became a far better parent to my second child than my first, doggedly determined to create a better life for them than the one I had had thus far. I went through many betrayals in my work in the hard left and the labor movement, some worsened by my lack of effectively nuanced social skills and lack of self-esteem, as well as by sexism and ableism. But I never gave up. And now I finally have a job doing what I could only have dreamed of doing 50 years ago. To conclude then, let's take this business of creating covenants seriously and even cautiously. Let's give each other the grace to disagree, to speak up, and debate over language without seeing each other as living in enemy camps. Let's make promises we can believe in deeply enough to work hard on keeping. Let's make promises from the heart, living, breathing promises with bones and flesh and spirit, promises that can grow and shift and mature, Promises that, even though they will age and die, have also given birth, nurturing their descendants. Thank you. And now let's join together in singing hymn number 1028, The Fire of Commitment. The words and music are in your order of service.
like, you could stand again in body or spirit and join hands if you are comfortable doing so. May the fire of commitment set our souls ablaze and continue to warm us this day and throughout 2024. May we continue to gather together serving one another in solidarity, using our skills, resources, courage, and love to mend the world, come what may, finding our freedom in care and hope, our passage through this year to be a true affirmation in both joy and tribulation. May our promises find fulfillment and our futures begin yet again. Amen. And now please stay seated for our closing music.